Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sporting events, concerts, and all types of shows. We're getting down to it, the last Rams game of the season and the last NFL game at the Coliseum. It's going to be something to see, even if it doesn't mean a whole lot in the standings, uh, but it'll be an opportunity to see something historic, and there's no better place to do it than on game time. Keep an eye on the app, see how the ticket prices are going, and then jump in at the last minute and get yourself a couple tickets. It only takes two taps. You can see right where you're sitting. You have your tickets. Go on into the stadium and enjoy yourself an afternoon. And now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 in credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who use the redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score those last-minute tickets. Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest edition of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for The Athletic, and I'll be joined in a second here by Jake Reiner of CBS2. And folks, wish I had better news for you, but as I'm sure you're aware by now, the Rams did lose yesterday uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. A good game, a very good game, actually, but I don't think people will take a whole lot of solace in that, uh, nor should they, because it did eliminate the Rams from the playoffs, from playoff consideration. It does no longer matters what the Minnesota Vikings do on uh, Monday night, and it no longer ha- matters what happens next week at all in either the Rams game or the Vikings game. So uh, they'll play for pride, and uh, you know certain players will be playing for jobs and, and that sort of thing. But other than that, um, it's kind of going to kind of be the last day of school, Jake. So uh, certainly not the uh, ending that we anticipated to the season, and and but kind of a fitting ending, right? I mean, even these last two games, it, 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 if you had to explain the Rams season to somebody just using a couple games, th- these last two would be pretty good ones, right? All you would have to watch are the last two games to figure out what's been going on because it was just a wide range of inconsistencies. A lot of the players in the locker room after last night's game talked about that. Clay Matthews and Andrew Whitworth, they all understand what's happened this this season. The Rams on paper, obviously a much better team than what we saw uh, throughout the entire season. And I and I think that we saw flashes of what this team could have been and flashes of what we've seen over the last two seasons under Sean McVay. But ultimately, if you just looked at last night's game, they were they had the game within reach. They could have put it out of reach. They could have won this game last night. But in the fashion of this team in 2019, they weren't able to do that. And that's sort of indicative of what's happened all season long. Um, What has surprised me throughout is that when we predict or when we have our predictions, Rich, before the game, I'm always thinking about, you know, how, you know, where where this team is, where where the other teams are and trying to match them up in my head of who I think is going to win and what the score is, as we all do. But honestly, 
it, it was essentially a crapshoot every time because you didn't know who was going to show up. You didn't know what what team was going to show up. You didn't know what plays Sean McVay was going to call. I, I much rather I would have I would have rather watched last night's game over again than the Dallas game over again because at least last night. McVay was trying every single trick in the book that he had. He was rolling Goff out of the pocket, a lot of play action passes. He was running the ball at least a lot in the first half. So he was trying these different moves that he's accustomed to using. He didn't use any of those tricks during the Dallas game, and it showed because they got blown out. Now, again, the defense was a lot better in this game than it was in Dallas, but you would have almost liked to see those bag of the, that bag of tricks in a number of the other games this season, and it's very uh, confusing as to why that wasn't the case or why McVay wasn't able to do that or why he didn't do that. I agree 100%, Jake. I mean, I can't. You can take issue with certain things. There were certain play calls that people didn't like. There was a third and one in there where they tried to do a, a kind of a cute little quick screen or, or something. Yeah, I didn't like that play call either. But those that's individual things. I mean, you you call, I don't know how many play calls you, you have during a game, 60, 70 sometimes. There's there's always going to be some that, that aren't great. But I, I absolutely agree. Overall, they were, they were mixing the personnel. Even within drives, they would go from – you know, 11 to 12 and back, depending on the situation. It, it wasn't predictable. Uh, you said it, I agree 100%. They were rolling Jared Goff out, and, and he was at his best. They were uh, mixing up the targets. It, it wasn't just heavy on on one guy. Tyler Higby was was spread in there nicely amid the uh, the receivers. So it, it was a good plan, and, and it was executed, and they got back on track, too. That was the thing. They After that pick six at the end of the second quarter, you thought, uh-oh, you know, that's that's it. You know, they're, they're just going to kind of go in the tank here, but they didn't. They, they came back. It, it took them a little bit of time, but but they got it going again there in the fourth quarter. So I, I thought it was a good plan. We'll, we'll go into it, you know, a little bit more as we talk about maybe Jared Goff uh, specifically, but you, you can't really knock the game. I mean, the, the, the end result is disappointing for the Rams, but, uh, you know, San Francisco is a very good team and, and they were right there. I mean, they went up to uh, you know, 70,000 people, a good atmosphere, Saturday night game, and, and they were right there until literally until the last second of the game. So you, you can't ask for a whole lot more than that. But I, I think exactly what you're saying, Jake, this is what you wanted to see uh, earlier, not from the not only from the coaches, from the players, from everybody. If, if you had this kind of, uh, you know, effort all, all across the board, you, you probably win the Dallas game. You probably win the Pittsburgh game. You probably win uh, Tampa Bay. I don't know, you know, put make drop a list uh, that, that you could, you know, send the Rams to the playoffs. Uh, if they had uh, had these kind of efforts in, in those kind of games. But, it, you know, it is. It, it's kind of a, not a cliche, it's almost trite to say they're better than their record. But I, I thought Andrew Whitworth said it pretty well uh, last night uh, among his quotes where he said, you know, talking about the Rams, when we were at our best, nobody could nobody could beat us. But they just weren't at their best enough. And, and I thought that was that was pretty spot on. It's not like this was a bad team. It's a good team that that played bad uh, a surprising percentage of the time, and certainly a higher percentage of the time uh, than last season. And this is the result when you when you can't do things consistently, uh, and when you're playing in what is arguably the toughest division in the NFL right now. 
this is what's going to happen. Nothing's guaranteed to you. Nothing is uh, preset before the, the start of the season. But uh, Jake, I agree. And and I've been making these predictions. I used to make them in print, you know, in, in from 2016 to 2018. And, and uh, I, I'm not bragging, but I've said, you know, my record was pretty good. And, and this year, it's just like, I got no idea. I mean, I'm going from week to week going. It literally, I, I can make a very compelling argument either way. And, and sometimes even those two arguments get, get surprises, you know, like, like the Dallas game, I never expected that to happen. So, uh, you know, Jake, we were, we were both in, in the locker room after the game and kind of in different areas, I think at times, but it, it seemed like, I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't expecting necessarily anger because I think most of the guys had seen this coming. They obviously knew that if they lost the game, that, uh, they were done, and but even if they won, that there was a good chance that you know Minnesota would win one of the last two. So it, it wasn't. I didn't pick up a lot of surprise. I didn't pick up a lot of anger, but I didn't expect those emotions. But uh, maybe some disappointment, uh, and uh, I don't know. Did you pick up any frustration? I, I would say more, more kind of disappointment as just you know kind of the resignation that uh, that it finally happened. I felt that Aaron Donald kind of had a similar demeanor after the Dallas game and after this game last night where you could, he wasn't necessarily saying it, but just his body language and the, and the way he was talking, it just seemed like his, his pride took a hit because it's, it's a weird, I, I would imagine it's a, it's a weird scenario where he has played absolutely excellent all season long and arguably could be could win another defensive player of the year his third in a row and then to have your team get eliminated in this way to play the way they have throughout the season i could tell that he his just his body language was he just he just wanted he you could tell i mean obviously all these guys want to win but you could tell that he just was was crushed by not not being able to succeed and make the playoffs this season i don't know if you read that from him but he, but but he was kind of the one where i where i was i was reading reading his body language you expect Clay Matthews and especially Andrew Whitworth, those guys are are the uh, the old the old veterans, and they've been around the block long enough, and they kind of have that like statesmanlike uh, way about them of just like that you know we we've been through enough of these, and and we understand you know obviously we want to win, but we we understand we can put it into context really quickly, and I think Whitworth did a really nice job of doing that. Clay Matthews said. At times we played like the number one team in the conference, and at other times we played like a team that had no business being out there. And unfortunately, we're in the position we are today because of that. I thought that that was a really uh, telling quote of kind of what has what has been the experience, what what the experience has been like throughout this whole season. What, what how did you? What was your experience in there, Rich? Yeah, I, I think guys, that, that's a great quote from Clay. By the way, I didn't, I wasn't over there when you talked to him, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So a good quote, and yeah, I think guys process it in different ways and and, and at different times. I mean, your your reaction to something immediately after a game isn't always the same as it is a week later or a month later, or, you know, two months later. I mean, guys might some guys might kind of slow burn, and by the time they get to February, they're going to end up being really pissed off at the at the way the season ended. Whereas other guys kind of you know kind of 
emote about it right away. Aaron is, yeah, he's, he's, uh, this won't surprise anybody who's watched him play football, but he just, he burns with a very quiet intensity. I, I don't think I've, I've been around Aaron for almost four years now. I don't, I don't ever think I've heard him raise his voice even uh, maybe kind of in a joking way if he's kind of you know messing around with teammates or whatever but he you, when you're in his presence Jake and I, I know you you've seen this too you just he has this kind of intensity to him when and when he's talking and yeah I absolutely agree you could tell he was he was not pleased and uh, yeah I, I think he did I think he did take it personally uh, that you know the team wasn't going to the playoffs I mean you, you talked to Aaron Donald Anytime, any week, any day, um, he's always all about the team. And I'm not, I'm not trying to pump one guy's tires, but he, that's Aaron Donald. I mean, he doesn't like talking about himself. Everything is always geared toward the team, toward making the playoffs, toward winning the division. You ask him any question, he'll find a way to, to, to steer it back toward that. And it's genuine. It's not, it's not phony with him. And uh, so, so I'm sure that. Uh, the frustration and the, the disappointment must have just been off the charts, and uh, and that's how he processes it. And other guys, again, might take a little more, bit more time. I mean, Andrew Whitworth, a guy like him. I mean, remember he played for Cincinnati for for a decade. I mean, most of his NFL career has ended in disappointment, <laughs> other than the last uh, two years. So so he's had a lot of practice at uh, you know getting to week sixteen and and having uh, things end in a disappointing way, and kind of having to uh, to process that and make sense of it and not get too down about it so uh so it's always interesting to kind of get that cross-section of of um you know how guys feel and and how they kind of take things in Sean McVay I thought was uh, I don't know what he was doing exactly after his uh his press conference with us but I, I kind of walked in uh behind him afterwards and he just kind of like slumped against a wall I mean it was kind of kind of sad like I he just I don't know whether he was exhausted or upset or whatever but he just kind of like you know you how you lean your back against the wall and then you just kind of slide down and, and that's what he was doing just kind of sitting at the base of the wall so you know obviously a, a long day a long week a long season uh, for him and and it's only getting started you know the the things that he's going to have to go through and reevaluate and change and everything else and we'll certainly go into that a little bit um, you know later in this episode and, and throughout the offseason because there'll be a lot to talk about but Jake let's talk about one guy in particular and, and one series of plays because recency bias being what it is the thing that people will remember from this game is the two third and 16 plays when the game is tied 31-31 49ers have the ball with two minutes left and you know anything could happen and the Rams defense, you know, they come up with a sack on first down. They force an incompletion on second down. And then third down, Jimmy G finds a way. I think it was an 18-yarder to, to Kendrick Bourne on, on that play um, to kind of, you know, move it to about midfield or maybe it was about the 35. And, and at that point, Jake, I, I kind of thought, well, okay, the Rams probably aren't going to get the ball back here with a chance to, to win, but they can get a stop and they can take it to overtime they were, you know, playing pretty well. Uh, so then again, sack, uh, I think, then a short pass or maybe an incomplete pass, but another third and 16. And then just the, the nightmare scenario where uh, the Rams, you know, had a coverage in mind uh, as much as it might not have looked like it to where uh, basically Jalen Ramsey was was uh, supposed to pass off. Emmanuel Sanders to uh, to Taylor Rapp, the safety, and Rapp, 
didn't understand the communication and I'm not knocking him. I think everybody has now said that and, uh, you know, played a part of the field where frankly, nobody was Sanders had kind of been drifting toward the sideline, but, uh, Taylor Rapp bit hard on that and, and did not account for, uh, you know, Sanders kind of turning up, uh, running more of a post route and, you know, Rapp ends up all by himself. And so does Emmanuel Sanders. And then 50 yards later, the uh, 49ers are in position for for a game-winning field goal. So, Jake, those two plays, there's there's no excuse for them. Uh, you know, uh, to convert a third and 16 is something that almost no team does. I mean, I tried to look up some of the stats last night. Uh, there's only, I think, four or five teams that can have converted more than two third and 16s all season. And the 49ers did it twice in about a minute and a half. Um, but the part I wanted to ask you about, Jake, is everybody, of course, wants an answer because we watch the play and we don't we don't know exactly what's happening there. We we see the the end result, but we don't know exactly what was supposed to happen or where the breakdown was or what the communication was like. So, understandably, you're going to go talk to the people involved. You're going to go talk to the coach. You're going to go talk to Jalen Ramsey. You're going to go talk to Taylor Rapp. Now, I was in with Sean McVay, and I asked Sean McVay what happened, and he basically said there was a miscommunication. Um, I don't really want to go into who messed up, essentially. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. Uh, went to Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp said, yep, uh, it was, you know, I was supposed to be over the top on that, uh, you know, took ownership of it. And Jake, you were, along with Lindsay Theory of ESPN, were with uh, Jalen Ramsey who was asked what happened and Jalen basically said uh, Taylor was supposed to be there and he was not there. Now that has led people to, uh, you know, at least in social media and, and even in the comments of the, the story I wrote, my, my story for the athletic was uh, basically recapping what went wrong on, on those plays. And uh, you know, there's people who say, you know, Jalen's being a bad teammate um, and, you know, shouldn't, even say what he said, shouldn't even bring Taylor Rapp's name into it. Just say something generic about miscommunication or, you know, mess up or something like that. But Jake, you were there. I I just, I read the quote and I I saw the clip after the fact, but what did, what did you think about that? I mean, you, you saw kind of Jalen's reaction and the way he answered the question. I mean, do you, do you find fault in him for, for the way he answered that question? No, I don't. And I think, a lot of fans look can look at this. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Fans will get mad at players for giving generic answers, not answering the question. They'll even get mad at us for not asking the right questions. And then when we do ask questions, it's, oh, you asked them too soon after the, the bad, a bad loss and you should give them time. So it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword when when you're dealing with this scenario. And I think that you I would give credit to Jalen Ramsey for explaining what happened because oftentimes players don't right away. They uh, they they'll give the answer of, "Well, I got to look at the tape and uh, you know, you know, see what see what broke down and and kind of push the question off that way." But I think because you could see on TV they showed Ramsey kind of getting in Rap's face a little bit after the play, discussing what happened. They pointed it out on the broadcast. 
And then you couple that with Ramsey's just overall demeanor. He sometimes sees a little, seems a little irritated that he has to talk to the media. That's just my what I'm reading from him. But he does it. He, he does. He doesn't not do it. He doesn't leave the locker room. But it, it just seems like he just doesn't really want to talk. Um, so you kind of have his demeanor there. Uh, that's just kind of how he always is. It wasn't that, you know, because after this loss, he was this way and that other, other way, other days, he's some, you know, some other type of personality. And this is, this is kind of par for the course for him. So what he explained was, is that they were in a form of two man. They had a, he, they had an adjustment to check. And because the 49ers were in condensed splits, the receivers going opposite directions, he played his technique, and if you look back at the video, he sort of stalled uh, at the when the snap uh, happened. He stalled there and was expecting Taylor Rapp to uh, pick up Sanders. And it from the replay, it looked like Rapp kind of was just committing to the sideline no matter what. It wasn't like he was in, anticipating Sanders going one way and he just guessed wrong. It seemed that he was kind of always traveling in that direction. And then by the time he realized that A, Sanders wasn't coming his direction and B, Ramsey wasn't on top of Sanders, it was already too late. And by the time Sanders caught the ball, Rapp was nowhere nowhere in the vicinity and neither was Ramsey. And according to Taylor Rapp, there was no uh, miscommunication. So it's, it's kind of unclear what, what occurred, but what he did say was, and I'll, I'll ask you this rich to maybe give a little bit more clarity, but uh, Rapp said it was a tough concept. I was supposed to get over the top a little bit, just really tough concept for the call we were in. No commu- miscommunication. I could have probably done a better job getting over the top. Wh- how do you read that, Rich, when he talks about being in a tough concept for the call we were in? Is it is it really just not under not understanding how to play that type of coverage, or was it more of him just reading, maybe reading the the route incorrectly. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I that's a probably uh, something I'd want to ask Wade Phillips. We don't get to talk to him after the game, so I'm sure that'll come up during the week. But hearing it, I would tend toward the latter. Um, like like maybe, and and I I think that's kind of what it was when I, when I read the the quotes from the 49ers guys too from Shanahan and and Garoppolo. That that's kind of how they they made it sound like um, there was a little bit of design there, like they wanted uh, to get Taylor Rapp in in that situation. So it, it clearly, yeah, something to to say miscommunication. I I don't think it was that that Taylor Rapp thought he was supposed to be covering that little patch of grass because there was nobody there and nobody was ever going to get there. So it, it wasn't as though he, uh, you know, misunderstood where, where he was supposed to be. It, it was either, uh, you know, a, a misunderstanding of, of the concept um, or just like you said, kind of a misread. And, and I tend to, to think I, I I'm you know maybe 51 percent sure but but I, I would probably tend to think it was it was more of a misread just just the way that um, the play developed but it, it, it's hard to say 
Um, but again, and that's why, that's why, I mean, this is exactly why you, you ask those questions because you, you see something happen and you, you, you shouldn't presume you should try to find out uh, some answers. So you know exactly what happened. And, and, and I agree with, with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, he, it, it does not help him that like you said, Jake, he's not, it, that's not his favorite thing to do. Um, so the tone of his voice is not, you know, real pleasant and his body language is not real positive. Um, so when, you know, when you see it, uh, it, it kind of makes it look a little bit worse than, than it was. But, you know, if you read what he says and just look at the words, he was asked a direct question and he gave an answer. I mean, that's what, I mean, if we're, if we're going to start, you know, nailing guys for that, then, then what are we doing? Like he, you know, he didn't, he didn't throw Taylor Rapp under the bus to the extent that he said, you know, that, you know, rookie cost us the game or, you know, would have won if that guy, you know, knew what he was doing out there. Uh, it wasn't anything like that. It was, you know, Hey, Jalen, what happened on that play? And Jalen said, what happened on the play? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know again, what, what we expect uh, from a guy like that, if you know, I mean, are we expecting him to to give some kind of bland, uh, you know, non helpful answer? I sure hope not. I, you know, I always, when whenever you ask a guy uh, a question, you always hope that you're going to to get an honest answer. So again, I agree. I, I think it's more kind of, um, you know, kind of the way he he is, and even even look on his face. But you know, I don't blame him for that. It's just who he is. But but that probably um, contributed to it. But, uh, you know, different guys had, had different ways of, of approaching it. Sean, you know, really didn't want to go into it at all. And, and, you know, Jalen was fine with saying exactly what happened. So I'm sure it'll be something we come back to because, uh, uh Wade Phillips will talk at some point during the week and I'm pretty sure that'll come up. I'm pretty sure those two plays will, will come up because, you know, Jake, I mean, Again, you, you can trace it back because it was one of those games. You know, the, the third and 16 plays, are, are they the ones that end up, um, you know, putting the Rams in that spot? Yes. Uh, but why were they in that spot? Well, how far back do you want to go? Because, um, you know, because the offense slumbered for part of the third quarter and second quarter and let the 49ers back in the game because Greg Zerline missed a field goal earlier that would have, you know, really changed the complexion of that fourth quarter because Jared Goff threw probably the worst pick six of, of the season uh, in at the end of the first half. So, I mean, all of these things, uh, you know, kind of kind of add up. Um, and, of course, the, the, the last plays that we see uh, are the ones that are, are going to be the most memorable ones. But, it, it, again, it circles back to just what a roller coaster. I mean, what a roller coaster of a game from, from a great start up 14-3, to three, uh, and then the 49ers come storming back. The Rams get their feet back under them take the lead back and, and then just can't, can't hold it. So uh, again, that's why I say, you know, a great game, but just very enjoyable to watch if you're not, if you don't, uh, if you don't have any heart issues, I guess, and, and you're not concerned about that sort of thing, but uh, a very compelling game and uh, you know, both, both teams and, and both sides of, of both teams, uh, offense and defense um, made some plays in that game. So it's, it's all you can ask for. Um, and you know, the Rams just come up short, but Jake, it's, it's never a, uh, it's never a podcast. It's never a Rams game. If we don't talk about Jared Goff and, uh, exactly, you know, how his game went, uh, the, the raw numbers, uh, end up being 27 of 46 for 323 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. So they end up throwing the ball. 
a lot. I think that's something that, again, we will talk about after the season, into the offseason, that run-pass ratio in a game that was still a pretty close game. Uh, the Rams weren't running the ball particularly well, but again, it's something you just kind of have to stick with, even if you're not doing it real well at times. But it, Jared Goff, um, Jake, my take a, a little bit up and down. I mean, great start, fantastic start uh, in, in the first couple of series where he's just on fire and, and rolling out, throwing on the run, and then... Uh, you know, got a little sideways there and, and uh, forces a bad, bad play on that on that pick six. Uh, but then it took a little time, I think, to, to get back into the game and, and get his rhythm back again after that, but then did it in, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, again, I, I get a lot of people, you know, Jerry Goff, oh, Jerry Goff's contract, Jerry Goff this, Jerry Goff that. I mean, I don't, for me, Jake, I don't even put him among the top three reasons why, why the Rams lost that game. I don't either, because despite that pick six, and I'll talk about that a little bit, he had some dimes during the game. I mean, there were some great throws that he had. And and not just uh, reading the route correctly, but just the accuracy and the timing of it. There was a couple of throws to Tyler Higby that were unbelievable. The touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks was, was he just... He thread the needle on that one. And so there were a bunch of plays where he was really on on target. Um, and I think that that pick six, it hurt the Rams in more ways than one because they had the ball essentially with a chance to try and put a scoring drive together before the end of the half. And he just, it just seemed like a lazy pass. It was... He tried to hit Malcolm Brown in the flat, but man, he did not see Fred Warner or I don't know what what he was thinking at that point, but Fred Warner came came in and absolutely just uh you know, picked it off and 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 ran it ran it to the house. Um he I looked back at the tape, he it looked like maybe he had Cooper Cup over the middle. Uh that may have been a better uh decision. But Goff himself was was saying that like you know that that just can't happen and and I think that Jared Jared Goff uh, from last year to this year has has kind of taken a little bit of a dip. I agree with you. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily put him in the top three reasons why the why the Rams uh, either lost this game and and you could even argue uh, I wouldn't put him in the top three reasons why the Rams uh, weren't uh, better this season, but. I, I would expect from your franchise quarterback, you're paying him all that money, you just simply cannot have that happen. You expect him to make the spectacular plays that he made during the game, the the great throws. You expect him to do that. It should be no surprise when you're paying him, you know, $110 million guaranteed that he's going to be able to make those throws. But what that money also should guarantee you is that he doesn't make these mistakes that that cripple your team. And I think similarly in the Dallas game, even though the Rams were already losing in that game, when he throws that pick, it wasn't a pick six, but the Cowboys were able to go down and score uh, before the end of that half. That was also a backbreaker that you just cannot have. And and he deserves uh, a, a good amount of blame for, for those interceptions because as as you as we found out 
that interception, and then also, uh, in, and then they start the second half, and the defense makes a great play. They, they, uh, Darius Williams is able to intercept uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and then the Rams are put in great field position, but then Zerline misses a field goal. And and that's the difference in the ball game. Then you don't then you don't get to those third and sixteen situations at the end of the fourth quarter. And I think uh, what we were talking about, or what certainly what you brought up, Rich, about recency bias, is that a lot of people like to look at that Week Five game in Seattle as oh, it was a missed field goal away from the Rams winning that game. And yes, if Zerline does make the field goal, the Rams win. But what led up to that field goal? I don't think that they should have. They shouldn't have been in that position to begin with because they had chances to win that game. So you got to look at the whole game as a whole. Um, and and there were a lot of situations where the Rams could have definitely capitalized, stepped on the 49ers' throats, not allowed them to hang around as much as they did. Because if you look at the overall stats, time of possession, total yards, the Rams were uh, the better team in those categories. So you just can't let a team like the 49ers hang around and the the Rams kind of kept them you know, around them and the 49ers were able to come back and capitalize on the Rams mistakes. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And with, with Jared, I mean, this, this goes back to, you know, Vinny and I talked about this early in the season and I said to me, it is, it's the mistakes and, and you, you can sit there and pick apart completion percentage or yards per attempt, or did he, did he hit that guy? You know, should, should that have been a catch? What, whatever. But to me, it was, it was the big mistakes. And I think you hit it exactly on. It's worth repeating. I mean, when when you pay your quarterback that much money, no quarterback is going to be perfect. But but when you pay somebody uh, that much money, it's the big mistakes that that you just can't have. You might not be some. There are some games where you just might be a game manager, and that's that's what it is. But but to have that that potentially, I mean, that was a big big exchange there. The Rams uh, are already up late late in the uh, first. Uh, excuse me, late in the first half. And uh, they're up by four. I mean, if if they go down and, and score a touchdown there, that's a that's a double digit halftime lead, and uh, that's big. And and instead it went the other way. Now the Rams were able to, you know, come back and they actually took the lead in, in the third quarter. So you know, clearly it wasn't a, a backbreaker, but uh, it was a huge missed opportunity and just not the kind of play like you said. You 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 rewatch the tape. I mean, it was. It was a check down play, and it's just you can't do that. You can't put the ball there and, and without seeing uh, what could happen there. But that's what it is to me, Jake. I mean, I, I know we'll talk a lot more uh, about Jared you know, after next week, and we'll break down every, every position. But just real quick, this is the number that will stick with me, and I've said a lot of things in, in you know, praise and defense of, of Jared Goff. But if you if you want to look at, at the other side of it, uh, to me it's it's the interception and that, that touchdown to – the interception ratio. I mean, his his great season in in 2017. I mean, seven interceptions in in almost 500 attempts. He had a four to one touchdown to interception ratio in, in 2007. And then last season, still very good. I mean, he threw 12 interceptions, but he also threw 32 touchdowns. So not not quite three to one, but but pretty close. And then this year, all the way down to 19 to 16. So almost. 
almost an even split. And and when you talk about your your elite quarterbacks or whatever word you want to use there, uh, that's a number that I would circle if I was uh, you know looking at a page of stats. That that would be one that I would look at and say uh, your guy he, he needs to he needs to be better in, in those situations because there's some things you can't control. I mean you you can't you know, control how much you get sacked. You can't control how much time you have to to throw deep. But uh, you know that the, those numbers are. Uh, certainly something that, that are in the quarterback's hands, the decisions that you make with the ball, where you put it, you know, when you let go of it, throwing it away versus putting it in a bad spot, that, that sort of thing, uh, I think is reflective uh, of a quarterback. So um, I, I think that'll be a big topic of discussion uh, when it comes to Jared uh, uh, going forward. But uh, Jake, anything else that grabbed you uh, on either side of the ball? I, I mean, you know, Todd Gurley, Again, kind of was what it was. It, you know, we talked about this being a, a kind of a prototypical Rams game this season. Todd Gurley, you know, fifteen carries, forty-eight yards. It does, it does not get any more 2019 Todd Gurley than fifteen <laughs> carries for forty-eight yards. You might as well put that on a, on a billboard. Uh, Tyler Higby shows up again with another hundred-yard game. Uh, Robert Woods is good, and uh, you know that defense. They they come on in the second half. Uh, they, they sacked Jimmy Garoppolo six times in the second half before before they couldn't stop a third down. Uh, what a wild game, Jake. I mean, any 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 final takeaways before we before we look ahead a little bit? I think you and I, Rich, were talking about it during the game where Jimmy just looked rattled the whole time. I mean, he is he just he looked like he was white knuckling the football and his feet were so tense. And I think he knew that the Rams were just pressuring him the entire time. And he was a, he was sort of in in the back of his mind, knowing that a sack was imminent. And like you mentioned, six sacks in the second half. This defense was pressuring him like there was no tomorrow. And he hung in there. And like you pointed out in your story, in those two third and 16 uh, opportunities in the fourth quarter, he hung in the pocket and he was able to make decent throws uh, to be able to put his team in a position to win. So that's that's unfortunate. I thought the defense played pretty well throughout, despite those huge uh, mistakes at the end there. Um, they gave up 34 points, but again, uh, six of those was a, was a pick six, uh, that Jared Goff threw. So you, so you gotta have to consider that as well. And then on the, the Todd Gurley front, 15 carries for 48 yards. He had two touchdowns, but man, it, like you said, it doesn't get more 2019 Todd Gurley than that. And one of the stats that I've been pointing out in this podcast over and over again is uh, when he gets involved in the passing game, the Rams typically win, and he had no stats. He had two targets, but no catches and and nothing else on in the passing game. So uh, there is that. Just, just having him as an option in in the passing game would have changed up things a bit because the the Rams were doing a lot of play action passes rollouts and they were doing a lot of the uh, uh, of the similar plays throughout and it did work but to not have Gurley as a weapon really as as a as a factor uh is is just you know you got it you got to use him you just have to he's he's your franchise running back you got it you got to use him and again uh following last week's uh 22 yards uh 22 rushing yards in total uh they follow that up this week with only 72 rushing yards a little bit better but again the 49ers in comparison had 119 yards on the ground so the the Rams 
again, went very pass heavy. Jared Goff throwing the ball 46 times is, is not a recipe for success. I still think they should have won this game. Um, but just overall, just not having that balance is sort of, uh, you know, a, a microcosm of this season. It is for sure. And I, I think, you know, once we get past the last game, we, we probably dedicate a whole episode just to, you know, what's what's going on with the run game and, and what they need to uh, to do to address it. Uh, it's going to have to change. This this cannot be the, the plan and this cannot be the execution uh, next season. So that, that could mean a few different things, but it's going to have to mean something uh, because they, they cannot afford a, a duplication of, of what happened uh, this season. But but Jake, let's let's look ahead a little bit because uh, it is a holiday week. So we will uh, not be uh, back at, at the end of the week with our traditional kind of preview episode, which... <laughs> Really ends up working out okay because uh, this game. Look, I mean, every game is is big, and I, I know there's a lot of people out there who pay for season tickets and things like that, so they've invested money and and uh, you know they're looking forward to this game and, and expect a, a good game. But what are we expecting here, Jake, from from this Rams Cardinals game? It really does not mean anything to either team uh, other than pride, obviously, and and. Probably some, uh, whether it's contract bonus stuff for for certain guys uh, hitting certain numbers, games played or snaps played or certain uh, statistical measures that that can be something. Or for young players uh, looking to to make an impact, there's guys out there uh, on both teams, I'm sure, who are either holding down jobs right now or who are trying to play their play their way in, into bigger roles. Uh, so it's big for them. Uh, so, you, so you'd expect uh, some good competitive football next uh, Sunday at the Coliseum. But I, I can't imagine it's certainly not what it could have been. And uh, I mean, what are you what are you expecting? Are we going to see some some younger guys mixed in? I mean, are we going to see Rob Havenstein come back in? <laughs> what what are we going to see Todd Gurley? I mean, do you, do you have any thoughts? Do you have any uh, uh, opinions on on how this should go? I have some opinions on how I think it should go. But in terms of predictions, again, with this team, you never know what what the heck's going to happen and who's going to play and what role they're going to play. But what I what I would like to see, we saw that uh, Daryl Henderson got hurt. Uh, during the game uh, yesterday, and he didn't come back. I would have, I would, I don't know how, you know, how he'll progress through the week and if he's ready to go, but I would like to see the Rams see what they have in Daryl Henderson. Maybe he can, mm-hmm. maybe he can turn into a guy to where if you're, if you're going to continue this sort of, um, Todd Gurley load management pitch clock thing or or whatever you want to call it. If you're going to continue that into next season, maybe Daryl Henderson could turn into someone that you could use kind of like what they do in Seattle uh, with uh, Rashad Penny and uh, and and Pete, Pete Carroll using two backs at once. Um, maybe they could be sort of a, a, a tag team uh, scenario next season. So to see what they have in Daryl Henderson, I know that when he when he had opportunities this season, he he did show flashes of of being able to to uh, rattle off some some big gains. So uh, I'd like to see what what goes on with him. Uh, I don't know what kind of performance you're going to see uh, from Gurley, if at all, or Goff. Um, but you know, maybe the Rams can try and you know 
see who they have if they haven't used some guys this season to see what kind of roles they could they could fit in if they end up losing some guys to free agency. But McVay sort of said yesterday that he wanted to end the season with a winning record. And of course, if they lose, then they're going to end the season 8-8. Eight and eight. But um, yeah, it, w- it would be nice to, to end the season on a positive note. Uh, the final uh, home game in the Coliseum for the Rams before they move into uh, SoFi next season. So I think playing for pride, playing playing for a, a positive end of the season would be something that I'd like to see as well. Yeah, good thoughts there, Jake. I agree on Daryl Henderson. Uh, it doesn't hurt to, to put him in there and give him a bigger role if he if he is healthy. And I think you could see that maybe on the defensive side of things a little bit too, since there are some uh, you know decisions that, that are going to have to be made about certain guys maybe coming back. So uh, you know, it sounds weird to say that you might pull back on Dante Fowler a little bit because he's been so good, but uh, you know maybe you give a, a little bit bigger role to a guy like Obo. Uh, see see if he can handle something bigger or uh, something you might want to do. At safety you know maybe not knowing what uh, the future is with Eric Weddle uh, things like that so it'll, it'll be interesting I, I certainly don't think the Rams will treat it like a preseason game or something like that because uh, I agree I, I don't think Sean McVay wants to finish eight and eight and and really I don't I don't think the players do either so I, I don't think it'll be one of those kind of mail it in um, you know don't don't care what the score is kind of deals but certainly unfortunately it will not be uh, what it could have been because that, that could have been a really really interesting game uh, if, if the Rams were still in the uh, in the playoff race but Either way, uh, it'll be it's always interesting, and there'll be a lot for us to talk about. So we will be back with everybody next Monday uh, on the thirtieth to uh, to talk about that Rams Cardinals game and to start the breakdown uh, for for the off season. Things go fast, uh, you know. Before long, we'll be right into the the combine and free agency and stuff like that. So we will want to be uh, doing a comprehensive job of, of breaking down what happened in twenty nineteen but also quickly looking ahead to 2020 and all of the uh, roster decisions and coaching staff decisions that, that might have to be made. And uh, I'm sure we'll be getting some news not too long after after the season to digest. So uh, until then, thanks everybody uh, for listening. We all appreciate uh, the subscribers to The Athletic. And I'd encourage everybody again to go check out the uh, Athletic Best of 2019. Uh, I know this podcast episode goes out to everybody, people listening on iTunes, Spotify, and all that. So if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic right now, it's a great opportunity to jump on and read some free stories, some of our best stories from 2019. And uh, I I think it would influence you to to jump on board for 2020 and uh, all all the great things that that we have planned. It's going to be a very, very interesting year in in a lot of different spots. Sports in, in Los Angeles. So thanks to everybody who's already on board. And if you're not, definitely come uh, give us a look. Jake, uh, CBS and KCAL, of course, will be uh, maintaining their great coverage during the week. What can we expect uh, from this holiday week? And, and what can we expect going into that season finale against Arizona? I believe we'll have one more coaches show. I encourage you guys to check that out. It's really fascinating uh, with Jim Hill and uh, Sean McVay. Um, breaking down plays. Uh, I think we have. I think we had Wade Phillips on last week, or we may have him on this week. But at any rate, you guys should check it out. It's uh, it airs uh, Saturdays on uh, CBS Two. So on Sunday, we'll have a uh, 4:30 p.m. show. That's an hour show, sort of our Sunday football recap show um, from 4:30 to 5:30 on CBS Two, and then later on we'll have. Uh, 
Uh, recap of the day again at 10.30 on KCAL 9 and again at 11.30 on CBS 2. Uh, that's Sports Central with Jim Hill and uh, and me. So uh, check it out. Uh, follow us along uh, and uh, hope to see you there. All right. Thanks, Jake. And also on Twitter, Jake is at Reiner underscore Jake. And a great follow because Jake uh, breaks news on his Twitter, too. He gets uh, a little time with uh, Sean McVay. He, he did right before that, uh, the night before the San Francisco game. So so he had a little uh, newsy update uh, about certain guys who, who might or not, might not play. So Jake kind of really gets the last word uh, with Sean McVay because we don't get to talk to him. Uh, uh, print reporters uh, don't get to talk to him right before uh, the game. So uh, Jake's a great follow on uh, on that end and uh, you know throughout the week and keep track of what he's doing. And uh, we'll stay with it during the offseason, too. We're not going anywhere, so please do follow along. I am at Rich underscore Hammond on Twitter and always glad to uh, engage and have some fun there. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for all your uh, feedback and uh, comments and all of that. Hope everybody has a great holiday week, a great holiday season, and we will be back with you on Monday to talk about Game 16 and, and look ahead to 2020. So thanks again, everybody, and we will talk to you then.